He's involved in a number of businesses. He's a great role model. Telling it like it is. Giving you both sides of the story. This is Cats at Night. Great American, a great New Yorker. Now, here's John Katsimatidis. This is John Katsimatidis, uh, and it's, it's 5 o'clock. The number one show at 5 o'clock, and broadcasting at a WABC studios in Midtown, and this is a TriCast, also on 970 AM, The Answer, and WLIR, and today, <laughs> today, we have a full house. What's a full house? We have four lawyers, a chief, and me and Lydia. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, lost, I lose track. We have uh, Mr. Nelson Happy, a former dean of the law school at Regis University. Uh, we have uh, Judge Richard Weinberg, uh, Ed Cox, a former, well, current, uh, you were always the second uh, <laughs> son-in-law. You weren't the first son-in-law. That was David uh, David Eisenhower. Uh, he, he got married a year before we did. Yep. And we have uh, Governor uh, uh, David Patterson and the chief. How are you? You like chief? Uh, apparently, if you're in San Francisco, that's offensive. Okay. So you can't say the word chief anymore. I don't spend anymore. much time in San Francisco. It's too, too many homeless people. It's not, not a good place. Oh, a lot of movement in the streets. And Tony Carbonetti there. Yes. And uh, Lydia Serrani. Lydia, we have, we have a, a great show, I understand. Fantastic show. We'll be speaking with Bob Yunanwe, who is the CEO of Goya Foods. Tom Hicks, the co-chair of the Repu- Republican National Committee. Senator Alphonse D'Amato. But for a Kathy Wilde, so the partnership for New York City, an important meeting that, of course, uh, Judge Weinberg was also there. You'll tell us about it, trying to keep New York City safe and open it back up. But first on the line, we got Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize winning writer, New York Post columnist and all around great guy back with us here on Cats at Night. Michael Goodwin, what do you want to talk about? There's so much news going on. That's quite a gang you got there, Lydia. <laughs> gang is the right word. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the, the gang of five at five. Are they is wearing five colors of anything? I mean, we have to uh, watch out for them. Should we an all-points bulletin? Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I think we should talk about uh, crime in the city. And, uh, you know, as, as you know, I wrote about it uh, uh, in yesterday's New York Post uh, about Mayor Adams and this report in the Post earlier in the week that there's talk among him and his staff and some allies that uh, he might run for president in 2024 if Joe Biden doesn't seek re-election. And I think this is uh, – it's worse than putting the cart before the horse. There's no cart. There's no horse. Michael, Uh, Ed Ed Cox here. Ed Cox here. When When was the last mayor ever elected to a higher office? I happened to do that research while I was running Never. McCain's Never. campaign. No, 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 no. DeWitt Clinton oh, really? was elected governor of New York State after being mayor in 18-something. How about Teddy Roosevelt? Yeah, no, Teddy, Teddy Roosevelt. No, no. Police commissioner. No, police commissioner. He was police commissioner, There's something right. about being mayor that you've you got to do that too. job, and that's going to be it. You have to just it's, assume it's, that. It's really a dead-end job when you think about it. Uh, look, I mean, uh, the last three mayors thought they could be president. I, I'm supporting Giuliani, him, Bloomberg, I'm supporting him for president so I could run for mayor. <laughs> You'd have a better chance that way. <laughs> well, uh, Michael Goodwin, also we've been talking about the Texas school shooting. Now it's there's timeline that is really disturbing. It looks like it took... Police officers an hour to get inside the school. Um, I want to I want to play this clip from the press conference where a reporter specifically asks the police chief there what took so long. Take a listen. We've been given a lot of bad information. So 
why don't you clear all of this up? Explain to us how it is that your officers were in there for an hour. Yes, Yes, how much is able to get inside that room? Shimon, we will, we will circle back with you. We want to answer all your questions. We want to give you the why. That, that's, that's our job. So they couldn't even answer it. So that was Shimon Perez of uh, CNN asking, hey, there's a lot of misinformation out there. Why did it take police officers an hour? They heard the shots. They know the cops arrived. And yet they didn't go inside. They retreated and they waited for tactical or I I don't know. We we don't know what's going on. But for an hour and now we're seeing the video of all the parents frustrated, begging the begging the cops to go inside, getting arrested by the cops. I mean, this is a mess. It certainly is, and it uh, it compounds the tragedy from heartbreak to fury. Uh, I mean, it's it's inexplicable that it would take an hour under those circumstances. Now, we we, no doubt the police probably tried to make contact with the shooter, and it's not clear when uh, the killings took place. Did they take place immediately? When he went in, could the, could the parents hear gunshots yes. outside? I mean, it, so exactly. there, are, there are all kinds of details. Michael, it's Tony Carbonetti. I, I agree with you. It, it, it's we have to see how this plays out because when the cops got there, if there was already gunfire inside, there was. Th- then they have a protocol that they need to follow, and I, I'm assuming that's kick down the doors and go get the kids. If it's a if it's a hostage situation, that's different. We got to give them a day to answer this before you jump down their jump down their throats, but they better have a good answer because they've game played this before. This isn't like they this just happened. This has happened so often in our country that they have already role played this, and they should have the answers and have run that role play. Well, of course, the uh, you know this shooting has been compared to Parkland in Florida, and there were you know dismissals and and uh, misconduct charges, as I recall. Against, uh, I think against the, the Rangers at, uh, who were there. Th- that, no, no, in, th- in Florida, I'm talking. Yeah, about. I'm talking about Florida when they were trying to. Uh, one of them was videoed almost running from the shooter, as right. opposed to uh, trying to apprehend him. Right, and and there were also delays in going in, um, and and so I, I again. Uh, we have so many questions that it's only fair that before we condemn the police, we we find out the answers. But I agree, Lydia, that they're going to have to answer the questions honestly and quickly because this thing is, is they're going to have a hard time heading off the suspicions that they screwed up here. Now, you know, again, the, the, the key is when when were the shots fired? When were the children and the teachers killed? Uh, if that's while they were waiting, I mean, that's just going to be an awful, awful spectacle. Michael, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. As as usual, unfortunately, when these incidents occur, you see the politicalization and the political posturing going on, playing the blame game. What made it, but to me, one of the most reprehensible things I saw was when uh, Beto O'Rourke went to the press conference and started shouting at Governor Governor Abbott totally making a, a fiasco out of a very serious, tragic situation. What do you say? Yes, I agree with you. I mean, Beto O'Rourke, whose real name is Francis, um, ought to be a stuntman in a movie. 
I mean, that was that was just so reprehensible, and it was clearly done for political purposes. I mean, there's no other way. Uh, I mean, you rarely see a politician sink that low in such a crucial moment. But these are these are defining moments in the life of a politician, and you know, he's the one who has been all over the place on guns in Texas. We're going to take your guns. Darn right we are. And then he said, well, maybe not. And I mean, he's he's a mess. He's really unfit for public office. Well, what did Biden mean by, well, maybe the Second Amendment is not really absolute? Uh, you ask me, John? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I, I think that there is, you know this rush to the to the to the gun ramparts for the democrats that if only they can pin republicans pin this on republicans for not passing more gun control uh, but look i mean biden you know in that in that address the other night which i thought once again he starts out he starts out with good heartfelt points and then he veers into partisanship uh, just as he did recently uh, on an, uh, after the Buffalo shooting. Uh, same kind of thing. It's, it's, he's a uniter-in-chief until he becomes the partisan-in-chief. And I, I think that the Democrats have this abiding faith in the government's ability to restrict guns. And he, he cited a, a statistic that is simply not true when he said that, you know, when we had the— uh, the assault weapons ban, which there is no quite a gun that is actually an assault weapons on the market, but leave that aside, he said mass shootings fell, and then when it expired, they tripled you know, virtually overnight. That's simply not true. There was almost no change in mass shootings during the period of that ban. So it's that sort of thing that I think once you see that, you say, but that's, that's just playing games. That's not the answer. And, and I think Democrats are going to have to – Republicans are going to have to agree to do something. I think that's true. But Democrats are going to have to get off of this kind of my way or the highway. I mean, they could have had police reform, if, but they didn't want the Republicans to get credit for it. Tim Scott was leading that. Uh, they, they, they don't – It's in many cases, they could have had infrastructure under Donald Trump, but they wouldn't negotiate with him. So in many cases, I think the Democrats um, uh, are showing they'd rather try to score political points than achieve a compromised piece of legislation. And that that's no better than refusing to do anything. That has the same effect because you're just going to chill the other side into inaction. But what people don't realize is those two pieces of legislation that are stalled in the Senate, that wouldn't have prevented this tragedy. This kid would have passed any kind of background check. But, but, but what would he have? I mean, most of these are, you know, gun rights meets mental health problem, mm-hmm. right? So if this kid was going to adopt a dog, someone would probably make a visit to his home, speak to his parents, see if he could actually take care of it. Why don't we do the same kind of thing with guns? Because you're making too much sense, Tony. I'm not anti-gun. I agree with you. There's a level of responsibility that comes with owning that gun. Or that type of weapon, then you have some sort of higher certification because they're more difficult to manage and they're... There are, it's I'm sorry, it's a weapon of mass destruction of mass murder. I mean, so, so, it's not so the same as a regular that rifle. That needs to be responsible I mean, for rifles, the gun. I agree. Period. What do you and think, Michael out a way Goodwin? To make that work. Oh, look, uh, I I think that the the Buffalo case is is clear too that there were 
red flags and New York has a red flag law and the people the police went and talked to him sent him for mental evaluation but never reported that information to the, gun, the federal gun registry and so he when when the seller of the weapon uh, in in a shop uh, sold him the gun the, the seller said I checked the the background information, and he was clean. It was a legal sale. So what is the point of all these laws if we're not going to enforce them? Let me just add another point, too, which I think will will become clearer later, that both of these young men, 18 years old and 19 years old, apparently dropped out of school or at least stopped attending school during the pandemic. And we have heard lots about the isolation when the schools were closed. And we, these two kids seem to be extreme examples of the harm that that isolation did to them. I mean, uh, we don't know everything yet, but both of these cases, I was struck by that pe- that, those pieces of information. Retired Captain uh, Ed Mehmet, he just texts both you and I, Judge, and he said, since Parkland, current doctrine is for police not to wait, but to immediately engage without awaiting reinforcements. And when I was listening to the press conference, as soon as the shooter went inside the school, they heard numerous, numerous shots. So whether or not those shots actually killed the children, but people reported them saying that they they heard uh, it sounded like fireworks. And that's why the parents became hysterical, because they were literally hearing the gunshots. And what makes it worse is that the, the local police weren't the ones who took down the shooter. It had to be a Border Patrol agent who just uh, fortuitously happened to be nearby on a training mission. He wouldn't have been there in the ordinary course. Well, and, and I think that uh, if, if we do get the answers, one of them will be here, that the police were not trained for this, that if they were, they would not have behaved this way or a commander was not. A, something was wrong if it's true that the shots were fired and they were outside and they heard the shots. Then there's something clearly wrong. Michael, this uh, is uh, David, David Patterson. I think that's an excellent point because, like you said in Parkland, there were some isolated cases where people didn't do what they were supposed to do, officers. And in this case, it's hard to imagine that all the officers there would make the same mistake. In other words, there had to be some confusion or some uh, lack of training that put them in that position because uh, normally they would all run in there. That would be their instinct. Yes, and look, I mean, you can... can you know, we can imagine ourselves what some of their conversation is uh, if they don't what what they don't know is where exactly is the shooter? Uh, uh, how is he alone? Uh, where are the children? Uh, I mean, I, I don't know what information they had while they're out there, but you, you can imagine those are some of the first questions they would be asking themselves. Is the shooter barricaded with hostages? I mean, I don't know what they knew, but that's the key issue I think we're all going to have to focus on. Well, thank you so, so much, Michael Goodwin, for always your valuable insight, and we look forward to reading many more of your articles. Thank you so much, Michael Goodwin of The New York Post. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thank you. Uh, can we take a break right now? We'll come back. We're going to take a break right now. We'll come back. We have uh, Kathy Wilds coming up soon and uh, Robert Yunane, uh, who is a Texan, Goya Foods, uh, uh, will be coming back soon. And uh, let's take that break.